Hello and welcome to the Hot Copy Podcast, a podcast for copywriters all about copywriting. Get ready to face rejection head on in today's episode. That's right. We are talking about the dark side of being a copywriter. Rejection. Because our writery hearts can be sensitive. Stay tuned. My name is Belinda Weaver. I am a copywriter. My business is Copyright Matters and I'm the creator of the Copywriting Masterclass. And with me is my favourite, favourite co-host, Kate Toon. <laughs> You've only got one. Hello. My name is Kate Toon. I'm a copywriter, the founder of the Clever Copywriting School and the recipe for SEO success, Learning Hub. Now, before we get into today's chat, I'd like to know, Kate, do you have a favourite possession. Now, this sounds quite shallow and it probably is, but I'm not necessarily talking about the thing you'd save in a fire, but something that maybe you look at and it makes your heart really happy. Can my dog be my possession? Yes. Okay, it's my dog. Every time I see his little furry back, it really, it just makes me happy. Every time I look at him, he's, he's my everything. He's my everything. Dogs are awesome, aren't they? He, he's not very nice when I take... Outside of the house, he's like Satan's spawn. Like he wheezes on everything, he barks at everything, he tugs, he's very badly behaved. But as soon as he walks through the door, he's the most lovely creature ever created. What's your favourite possession? Well, mine, mine's a thing. Um, so you're, and not gonna, I have this... you're not going to pick Fenris? No, he weed in the kitchen this morning, so he's, uh, not, okay. he's not my everything today. <laughs> <laughs> Mine is, I have this child's Japanese kimono, like a proper silk kimono, and on the back, it's all hand-painted. It's a a golden phoenix flying into the sunset over the mountains, and it's all like wove, you know, hand-stitched and painted, and it's just the most beautiful thing. I won't let anyone touch it. I was going to say, do you let your offspring wear it? Oh, no, it's hung on the wall and I've actually keep raising it up because she's growing and getting taller. (laughs) One day you're so going to come into the room and she's going to be like finger painting, wearing that kimono. Get ready for it. Oh, but that is my favourite thing. And it's just, I look at it and I'm just, oh, isn't it pretty? (laughs) Yeah, we all need stuff like that in our life. I like. Yeah, and I was actually looking at it when I thought of the question and I was like, I wonder if Kate has a thing like that. Um, I probably have a, other things. We just got a fire in our in our house, like a like a good fire, like one that's not burning the house down. And yeah. I'm loving that at the moment because as soon as you turn it on, it's a gas fire, which I know sounds a bit plebeian, but it looks good. And um, it's just coziness just eeps into the room. Like the room just is immediately cozy. Perfect nice. for watching Miss Marple and doing your adult sticker book, can I just say? Oh my god, yes. Yeah, oh we are goodness. such geeks. Anyway, though, but we should we should get into the sad stuff now. We've talked yeah. about something that makes us happy because okay. we're going to be talking about rejection, and you know we want to start this episode by saying yes, you are going to be rejected if you haven't been rejected already, and it's going to happen a lot. Like clients are going to say no to your proposal. In fact, successful writers should have about fifty percent of their proposals rejected. It's actually a good thing, and we're going to talk about why in just a moment. But clients also are not going to like your copy sometimes. In 99% of cases, it's not personal, definitely not personal. And one thing that will hopefully happen with experiences is that it will become easier to separate emotion from business. Gosh, that's so hard though, isn't it? I think think it's a lesson it takes a long time 
to learn that, you know, the rejection, we're going to talk about this in the episode, is not necessarily of you as a human. It is just of the words that you put in a Word document. And the sooner you can make that split, the happier you're going to be. But we're going to dig into some experiences that we've had and we're going to talk about that in a moment. So let's get stuck in. Let's do it. So we, we're going to talk about the main reasons why you're going to be rejected as a copywriter. And as you said, we're going to share some stories and our advice to help you get through them. So the first one I wanted to share was when clients say no to your proposal. And it can feel like this is happening a lot in the beginning because you're kind of just working out your shtick, you're working out your pro- process, you're working out what your proposal sounds like and all that kind of stuff. Um And it kind of should keep happening to a certain extent because whenever you have a no come along to your proposal, it usually gives you an opportunity to refine your process, which is what we're going to talk about later on, and maybe weed out the customers that aren't right for you. So when a client says no to your proposal, my tips are don't take it personally. As Kate just said, it's not you as a human. Um, if you get all yeses, then your price is too low. I, th- I know you tell um, your members yeah. that too, Kate. If, you're, if everyone says yes, you need to jack your prices up. Um, but a tip is find out why they said no. And you might just say something like, just from my own curiosity, I wonder if you could tell me why you're not going forward Um, because it would help me develop my business service to meet client needs. It all sounds very professional. But, you know, it could be (laughs) the price, the timing. Maybe they didn't have time to think about it. And I think it's an opportunity to actually review your proposal documents because maybe clients need more information. Maybe they need a reduced sense of risk. Um, Maybe they need to reduce the scope to reduce the price. And we're going to break each of these down. But there are a lot of different reasons why someone's going to say no to your proposal. Yeah. And I think um, something to talk about there that I see a lot is just the quality of the proposal. We're uh, going to talk about things like timing and expensive. But one thing that we didn't plan to talk about that I want to leap in on and talk about is how your proposal looks, uh, the information that's in it. So I often see people who just literally send an invoice. They send a quote and it's like something they pulled out of my MYOB or, or zero and it's like I will do this and this and it will cost this much so it's it's not actually a proposal it's literally just a price with no value or explanation around it so um, I'm going to give a plug here uh, we try not to plug too often but there is a really cool proposal template on the clever copywriting school copy shop if you want to grab that which will just help you uh, make sure that you aren't you are being judged on price and timing and information that you're not being judged on how your proposal looks or how it reads. Does that make sense, Belinda? I just wanted to oh, jump in with that. No, absolutely. You're spot on because when I first started Copyright Matters, I my I didn't send a proposal. I sent a quote, and it yes, was one page, and it had a logo and a table yeah. with a couple of lines and a price. And I used to put the price in big red numbers because <laughs> I was and not dun, that smart. Yeah. Yeah. No, right? And then I got a proposal from my website developer, and I was like, "Ooh, this is good!" And yeah. I actually couldn't wait to say yes. So I totally ripped off my template from them, and it transformed my conversion rate. Yeah, totally. And another thing, little tune tip here is I also recommend in, in your proposal putting your terms and conditions into your proposal as well. So it's all one big document. It totally look, makes you look like you're a schmick uber professional. But anyway, that's my plug finished. Let's talk about the first objection. And this is the one that we all go to first. 
I'm too expensive. That's what they think. They've rejected me because I'm too expensive. Well, if that is what you think is the issue, and as Belinda said, it's always a good idea to just ask. You know, most people will say, oh, the reason I didn't pick you is because of this. Um, they'll, they'll be happy to tell you. Uh, so if it is cost, maybe you need to get better at explaining the value that you're offering and really, you know, <laughs> stretch that out, expand it, bullet point it, detail what you're giving the client um, before you give, hit them with the price. And try and provide in your in your proposals things that are maybe low value to you, things that have you've, you, you can generate relatively quickly, but appear high value to the customer. So for example, in the copy deck template that I have, um, at the beginning of it, I have guidelines on how they can use words and whether they should use bullets and full stops and um, how we're gonna refer to numbers and prices. And it's generic, it's, it's something that all clients can use, but to the client, it, it appears high value because now they have a set of rules that they can live by. So detail that out. Not only are you going to write four pages of copy, but they're also going to get a comprehensive copy guideline, you know, and it, it adds to the value that you're offering. But also, you know, try if you can to find out their budget. You know, sound, we talk about this in the pricing episode. If you haven't listened to that, head back. Try to at least ballpark them. So hit them with a ballpark and say, hey, look, usually, this is before you even do the prop, okay? Hit them with a ballpark that says, usually these projects come in at between $1,000 and $2,000. Does that sound good to you? And very quickly, you will get some kind of qualification there. They'll be like, oh, God, God, no, no, we've only got $400, you know? Uh, So try and find out their budget before you spend time doing a proposal. If you send the proposal and they say it's too expensive, go back to them and say, hey, what was your budget? Let me know and we can see what we can do. If they come back with a budget that's lower, obviously, then talk about how you can break up the project. Maybe you can scale back the scope. Maybe you can do it in phases um, and sort of say, hey, I'll deliver this bit for this much. And then if you're happy, we can then talk about the next chunk. But whatever you do, don't immediately go back with a discount. Don't go, oh, okay, well, I can do that budget. Because what it does is completely devalue the first cost that you gave. It makes it look like you just pulled it out of your bottom. So don't just discount. Find a clever way of going back to them. Another little trick here, if you really want the work and the difference between their budget and your quote isn't too huge, you can say to them, okay, well, I'm happy to give you a one-off discount on this project if you're able to pay my uh, invoice in 24 hours or 48 hours, which means you've got money in the bank, you've got a project, they feel like they've had a win, and that's another little way to kind of give them a discount, but make it clear that you're in control and uh, you want something back for that discount. Yeah, excellent tips there. Excellent. And, you you know, when you ask people their budget, they'll usually say, oh, we don't really know because many clients have never worked with a copywriter before. But you start throwing numbers at them and, as you said, their reaction. They do know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They totally know. But, yeah, that's something I always did. I always offered to scale back the project. I would say, well, what we can do is instead of um, the 25 website pages that you've outlined, maybe we could just do 10. We'll just do one. We'll do one. Yeah. But, you know, some people get really excited about what they think they're going to have and they yeah. don't have the budget for it. But it's like, okay, let's talk about what, what you need. Yeah, You actually totally. only need five pages. 
Yeah, like I want a new kitchen and currently on my budget, I could afford one cabinet. So, you know, that's, I could get someone to come around and just do that one cabinet and then move on, you know. Could be one of your possessions that you love. It could be. I could put my dog in it. Anyway, so the next (laughs) one, which you're going to cover is timing. Yeah, this is when you send the proposal through and they kind of go, oh, yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah, but it's just we can't, we're too busy, we can't start right now or, you know, or, yeah, we want to start right now and you're not available for a month or, you know, there's some reason that the timing just isn't right. Um, And I think here if you're keen for the work and they say they're not ready, um, they're too busy or for whatever reason they say that they can't start, just keep in touch with them. That's what CRMs are for or just or calendar reminders. You don't even have to have a fancy CRM. Um, but just stay in touch with people. Um, and you might say something as simple as, is this something you might like to chat about in a few months? Oh, yes, definitely give me a call. That's my, like, role-playing voice there. Um, but, you know, that's you can ask them if they, they want you to follow up and then you put it in your calendar or your CRM and then you say, hey, we talked about your website copywriting a few months ago and you weren't quite ready to get started. I'm just reviewing my project calendar and wondered if this is something you're ready to go ahead with. And I always say to my students, kind of, oh, it's good to appear a bit busier than you are. If you want to follow up with people, just say that you're scheduling in quite a few projects and you want to make sure that they don't miss out. And that can sometimes be enough for people to go, oh, yeah, actually, yeah, we do want to get started. So don't be afraid to um, to keep in touch with people and uh, just give them a little reminder that you talked about it and that you've got some time for them. Yeah, I mean, I think this is something that all copywriters should have, a, a you know, a date in their diary. So I think especially when you're starting out and you're not that busy, this is when you can really make your processes awesome. So, you know, I, when I started out, had a day every month in my diary, unnegotiable, non-negotiable, whatever it is. And that was the day that I emailed everybody who'd ever emailed me (laughs) and pretty much said, hey, Bob, we brushed past each other in a corridor 17 years ago and you said you might want to write some copy. I've got a gap this month. Would you like the gap? Do you know what I mean? And I did that religiously. And, you know, one of the things I was proud of by about the fourth year of being a copywriter was I didn't actually have much room for new clients. All my clients were repeat clients. So I didn't just follow up on clients who'd said no. I followed up on clients I'd previously worked with and said, you know, so put a date in your diary to harass gently and beautifully uh, old clients and no clients, and you'll be amazed what comes out of that. So the other um, objection, we've covered uh, money and time. The other one is just they feel a bit uncertain. So they want some reassurance. And I think that's like, you know, when people come back and go, mm, yeah, mm, or they don't come back at all. When you get silence, I think that is often not because they hate you and you're too expensive. They're just not sure what to do next. They're not sure mm. if it's quite right. Um, maybe they're going to go and look at some other copywriters or whatever. So what you need to do is try and reduce their sense of risk. Uh, take time to follow them up, even though you it might feel uncomfortable. I mean, not straight away. Take two or three days. The first follow-up can be like, I'm just checking that you got my email because we all know that emails dodgy sometimes and they don't come through. If they don't hear from that, the next one could maybe, hey, you know, I just wanted to see if you've got my proposal, if you've got any questions. So ask them if they have questions. Maybe also point them to your portfolio and your case studies. Maybe offer, as we've already touched on, to do a very small bit of the job. Like if it's a 10-page site, maybe you're just going to write 
you know, the homepage blurb so that they get comfortable with the working relationship. But make them feel comfortable. I think that's super important. Some clients have never worked with a copywriter before, so they yeah. don't really know how the process works and they don't know what comes next and, you know, make them feel good. Yeah, I think that's why um, it's so important in these first few emails to take control and to really make clear to the client what is the next step, what should they be doing. And they want you to lead. You know, they're not just coming for you to squeeze out a few words. They want you to take away the stress of them having to write the copy. So they're looking to be project managed. That's always been my opinion. But here's another thing. We're going to move on and talk about a different type of rejection after this. But I want to talk about one thing with relation to proposals. And that's what I call cushioning proposal rejection. What we actually want to do is we don't ever want to write a proposal that's going to get rejected. That's my goal. I don't want to put even half an hour into writing a proposal if I don't think it's going to get accepted. So it's what you do before you send a proposal that matters. How good is your contact form? What questions does it ask? How much does it qualify the inquirer before they come through to you? What do you say to them in that first email when you go back to them? You should be telling them then when you're available. You should be giving them a rough ballpark. You should be referring them to your portfolio and case studies. You should be telling them what the next step is. And then then when they come back and say, that all sounds good, then you do your proposal. That's the way I've always worked it. So really, I'm only doing proposals for jobs that I am pretty much 95% sure I'm going to get anyway. Um, what do you think to that, Belinda? No, absolutely agree. All those, um, you know, I have to admit when I first started out, I did proposals for as many clients as I could because I wanted to show off my Wizzy document and for the same reason I wanted to get them on the phone, I wanted to talk to them, I wanted to build a relationship. But as time started getting filled up with actual billable work, I couldn't afford to do that. So as you said, I started kind of qualifying clients a lot more strictly so that when I actually spent time, even though I had a great template, which saved me a lot of time, I still customized and made sure the proposal was really great, but I only did it. It's only worth spending time on that kind of thing if you think you're going to get paid for it. Yeah, totally. Because I'm a terrible typo maker. I just, it's just who I am. You know, I also would have to get my proposals Fred because I just I can't trust myself so that was a cost as well and that really made me stop sending proposals unless I was sure so that's proposals imagine yeah. we've got the job and we've written the first draft yeah the say, next we oh, don't, I don't like it. It. <laughs> so yeah this is just the worst um and hopefully they they sound nice when they pull your heart out of your body and stomp <laughs> on it with their steel cap boots but you know Kate you're an awesome and successful copywriter have you had much experience with this moment I don't like it I don't like it um you know I I thought about this before the episode I haven't had that many and I think that's because I'm quite clear about my writing style and I I think people come to me vaguely knowing what they're going to get because I'm my I've written a lot there's a lot of samples there's a lot of portfolio and I do that pre-preparation um but I think you know oh, there's no way of avoiding just jobs where you have the chat with the client you take the brief you write the job to your best ability and the client just doesn't like it for some reason you've done everything you should have done 
You know what I mean? That's the worst mm. thing. Like sometimes I know it's not my best work, but when you really have put your heart into it and they just say, it's not working for me, or if they're kind of really emotional clients and they're like, you just don't get me. That's the worst mm. when they make it emotional and, and then you feel just like a dreadful human. So I've had that a couple of times. My first response is always to just go, well, you don't know what you're talking about. I mean, I don't physically say <laughs> yeah. that. I don't physically say that, but, you know, and then we've talked about this on the pod before. It's that case of going, oh, I am writing copy for someone else. They are yeah. paying me to write what they want me to write. So I can believe that my copy is the best copy in the world and I can fight for it a little bit, but ultimately you have to suck it up and get on with it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I have to admit when it's happened to me, and I I, th- I would say over the years I've been writing copy, like maybe one hand, one hand, maybe two, like it hasn't happened a lot for the same reasons that you said. I've kind of been able to work with clients like through the the sales process and the, you know, getting the brief and stuff, I've got them. And yeah. I feel like, so when they haven't liked my copy, I have always felt genuinely surprised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, totally. whoa, I misread that one. But I think my biggest bit of advice when this happens is you've got to separate the client not liking you from the copy not being any good and the copy not being any good from the client not liking the copy. Sometimes ah, that's, copy- that's good. That. That second bit is the is a new that's bit. it. I like that. You you can you can write really awesome copy, and the client just doesn't know what they're talking about. But as yeah. you said, it's not your writing. You are writing to, to to fill a brief and do a job, and you have to keep that into perspective. And one thing that always kind of soothed me once I stomped around the house for a while is I would say, "Did I actually follow the brief?" And I would go always go back to the brief. Did I write the best copy I could with the information I had? And if the two answers are yes, then I would ask myself, has there been some sort of monumental miscommunication or has my process failed? And how can I improve the process going forward? I would always be looking to close the loops. Like how did this happen? How did I miss this? Or is the client just a giant asshole that's another question (laughs) you can ask yourself no but I think the other thing that you can do to mitigate this is to write a little bit so I've talked about my process before that I would always write a skeleton draft um, which is kind of like an outline of all the pages and some bullet points and in that skeleton draft I would write the say you know the homepage copy like 150 words for the homepage which describe the company or or Mm. some chunk um And that chunk, I would say, and often I would do the about page because it's actually one of the hardest pages and it's very personal about the company. So if you don't get that right, it's unlikely that you're going to get maybe the services page or the FAQ page right. Um, So I would pick a lump of copy and I would kind of write it and I would say, you know, this follows the tone of voice you are after. It covers off the facts that you asked me to talk about. How do you feel about this? Do you like this little bit? So it's much easier to take rejection on a paragraph of copy than on an 82-page copy deck. So again, so important. Some copywriters are weird about this. They're like, well, I don't want to show the copy until I'm 100% happy with it. And it's like, no, 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 this is an iterative process. Keep the client involved every stage. Let them see how it's developing so that they can say, stop at some point before you get too far down the track. Yeah, absolutely. I always say to my students, rewriting copy that you've already written 
is mm. one of the hardest things Ugh. to do. Yeah, I'd rather walk away from the job crying than do that. And another yeah. another tip, um, well, this is actually Belinda's tip, but I'm going to read it out, is to go, <laughs> go over the brief and make sure it hasn't changed, but then get on the phone with the client and talk through the paragraph because they may be like, oh, I just don't know why I don't like it. I can't put my finger on it. But when you read it out to them over the phone, they'll be like, oh, it's that bit. I just wouldn't say that. I hate that word. Like, please never use the word innovative ever again. Or they might go, yeah, see, that bit just sounds weird to me. Because when you read something out, the, the clangers definitely clang louder. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's the difficult situation, actually. Sometimes if a client says, I don't like it, and this is exactly why, you can, yeah. you can work with that. It's difficult when that. they say, I don't like it and I can't tell you why. And that's, I always just would say, all right, well, let's quickly chat through the brief to make sure I have the, inf- I have the information, you know, correct. It still hasn't changed. And sometimes going through the brief, they'd be like, oh, oh, no, I didn't really mean that. But yes. they're looking at it in black and white that they approved and then you can say, oh, right, so when you said that thing, you didn't mean that thing. Okay. <laughs> when you told me you wanted it to be conversational, what you really meant was you wanted 18-word sentences and three-syllable adjectives every two seconds. Yeah. Yes. Okay, I get okay, it. Okay, right. And they, you know, and sometimes I've had clients go, oh, no, actually, yeah, no, you're right. This is what I, this is what I asked for. Oh. It's brilliant. I love you, Belinda. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I think talking through the copy definitely helps because I've had a couple of instances where people have gone, oh, no, it's it's that bit. And you're like, oh, you mean I can change one sentence? Yeah. And we're good. And, you know, I think the, the thing here is even though you have hurt feelings, you've got to get a conversation started that's focused on a solution. Mm-hmm. You've got to move towards sign-off. And you might say, oh, okay, well, if I can make these changes, we can sign this off, Yeah. Yeah, 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 of course. And then your heart can put its pieces back together again and you can move on. Uh, so important as well. If you do have these discussions over the phone, that as soon as you get off the phone, you email the client back or put into Basecamp or whatever project tool you're using. Hey, Sue, so great to talk to you. Here's what we agreed. We agreed we're going to change this. We're going to add that. We're going to remove this and we're going to work on this. So that then when if they come back in the next draft and say, why did you do this? You have covered your bottom. Um, you know, so you must... Yeah have some way of tracking changes. And I'm not just talking about track changes in, a, in the document. That's great if the client gets their head around that. I'm talking about any conversation you have that talks about changing the structure, the tone, or the content of the copy substantially. You must articulate that in writing so that it doesn't go on forever. Because again, sometimes when you send that back to the client, they go, oh, I didn't mean that in bullet two. I didn't mean that when I said that. You know, so... Yeah. You don't want to be rewriting and rewriting. Okay, but more tips. Um, If you do get that negative feedback, try not to respond immediately. You know, the temptation is to kind of email straight back and go, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I'm a great copywriter. Give yourself time to recover. Um, Don't respond to emails or make phone calls when you're emotional and do not get defensive or aggressive. And the thing is, you will feel all those things in the yes. 24 hours after you get that email. So you I off, you do have to sleep on it. I know it's such cliched advice. Write an email into Word. Yes. Vents your spleen and then put it somewhere else. Do not write that email into an email. No. You might accidentally <laughs> send it. So <laughs> do give yourself 24 hours. Do 
you know, and this sounds maybe silly, but do you have a little cry? Like, it's fine to get upset. Do you tell your partner who will look at you blankly and not understand what you're talking about? Um, do you go to your community if you have one and say, stupid effing client said this and I'm so upset and get it all out. And then the next day, when you're feeling a bit less passionate about it, you can just go, hey, okay, you didn't like it. Never mind. Let's work towards fixing this. How, what didn't you like and what should I change? Yeah, absolutely. I just, to reiterate, like when you might think you're calm and you're not angry, <laughs> you are, you're yeah, hurt yeah. and angry and it's okay. Um, but I would say, yeah, if, if people are saying no, um, maybe like they're great tips if people don't like your copy. If people are saying no, say to your proposal, um, follow up, but don't hound people. It's definitely okay to follow up. That's what will get you work. But don't hound people. Um, with your general process overall, think about it, but don't overthink the rejection. Just look towards the next opportunity. See how you can improve your process. It all comes back to the process. See how you can improve your process, um, but don't overthink what just happened. And I think, you know, in both instances, some people just cannot articulate themselves very well. Clients are coming to you because they can't articulate themselves very well in the written word. And some of them will have no idea how to give feedback, which can just make the whole thing super awkward. Sometimes you think they will are telling you that they don't want your copy, but that's they just can't tell you what it is that they want. So be prepared to feel emotional about rejection, but it's what you do next that will really shape your business. I think rejection does make you a better business owner. I agree. I just want to finish off on, on, a, on a few sort of little stories before we wrap up an intro. So copywriter I know uh, did a first draft recently and the client didn't even give them room to change it. They just came back and said, hey, it's not working. Um, I'll pay you what you've done and then bye. And they were only at first draft. And this wow. copywriter was gutted, you know. Um, but again, and so to question everything about themselves and why they're in the business. But again, you know, maybe that business owner just really wasn't feeling the relationship or wasn't feeling the copy and they just wanted to cut their losses. You know, it is hurtful um, and especially hurtful when you don't get that closure. We all like closure. It's like being dumped. They just walk away and don't tell you why. Um, but the truth is all they're ever going to say is, I'm just not that into you. I'm just not in that into the copy. So, you know, if you're looking for some kind of ultimate answer, you may not always get it. Um, and another copywriter I know has really tried with a relationship with the client where back and forth and back and forth and back and forth until they had exhausted themselves. So it's really important to know when to cut your losses. So I know one example of a client I had where the copy was fine and I was trying to talk with her and the conversations were going on and on, endless and endless discussions. And I just thought, I don't want to do this anymore. I always want to do my best for my clients, but I also need to understand when it's best for me to just say, you know what, we're not a good fit. I'm going to walk away. If you can pay me for this much time or some kind of discount, or sometimes just, I would just throw the money back at them and run. Know when to cut your losses um, and when you should actually reject the rejector. Yeah, get in there first. No, that's some great advice though. And it's sometimes you you only learn those kind of lessons through terrible experience. Yeah, totally, totally, yeah. And I think you start to develop a bit of a vibe for it as well. Like, yeah. you know, we call them PETA clients, pains mm -hmm. in the, you know, 
asses can we say asses um can we can we say that um and you know you start to be able to spot peters earlier and earlier in the process to the point where you can actually spot them from the first couple of words they type in your comment box on your contact thing um you know you can say they are gonna be a pain in the butt straight away you can see it so you'll get better as time goes on at avoiding rejection by just avoiding the rejectors before they can even reject you does that make sense <laughs> that makes perfect sense and that's in my my head that's just tighten up the process so they don't come in yes um all right well i think we should stop talking about rejection now kate <laughs> yeah i feel emotionally bruised yeah it's time to say goodbye and everyone knows who's been listening for a while this is when we read out a review of the show and today we're talking about a review from oats arama which i just love he <laughs> says he says they say i just love this podcast i look forward to each episode and get excited when i see it drop as a freelance web designer, this podcast has so much useful information from the perspective of running a small business, particularly the episodes on client management and processes. I think you guys complement each other so well. I love hearing two perspectives each time. Thanks so much for making time to share your experiences and thoughts. And they go on to say, I also got to meet Kate at a WordCamp Sydney and she was oh. even more fun and friendly than I imagined. <gasps> oh my God, I love you, it's a Rama. <laughs> And thank you for listening. If you like the show, don't forget to leave us a rating and review on iTunes and or Stitcher. We read them out. And if we know who you are, we can link to you in all our general social stuff. And if you've got comments, we'd love to hear them. You can hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, or head to the hotcopypodcast.com website and leave your comments on the blog post for this episode. And of course, let us know what is your favorite thing. Uh, so we'll leave it there. Thank you, Kate. Thanks, Belinda. Until next time, happy writing. So you're still listening? Great. Because I wanted to tell you about my new podcast, The Recipe for SEO Success Show. Sadly, this one's just me, Kate Toon, but it is packed full of useful, practical, doable SEO tips and advice. You can find it in the iTunes store, on Stitcher and SoundCloud. Just search for The Recipe for SEO Success Show. Is that rain at your end? Does it sound really loud? Oh, it sounds delightful. On the tin roof. Yeah. Rain on a tin roof! <laughs>